Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Hey, I'm excited to be able to share with you today in our new collection of talks called Church It's a Group Project. This is going to be a three-week installment where we talk about all these different things within church. We talk about united we stand, divided we fall, together we can. Do you guys believe that as a church we are called to be united? United. I love the United States. God bless this great, fantastic country. I don't know where we'd be in this world without it. But at the same time, in this church, we are called as the people of God to be united. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you have your Bibles, let me see them. Lift them up in the air. Let me see them. Bring your Bible to church. If it's on your phone, that's fine. Open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. And as you're turning, say these words with me. Say, this is my Bible. Say, I love my Bible. Say, speak to me, Bible. And I believe as we dive into the Word of God this morning that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, in our first week of church, it's a group project. And it goes like this. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. What a great word right there. My brothers, this is basically, he's writing to Corinthians, so he's using people's names. uh, Basically, he's talking about a person named Chloe. He says, my brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me. Can I tell you, there's an important place where you are to inform your eldership of things that are going on. We may think, well, that means I'm gossiping. Here we have Chloe is letting Paul know that there are quarrels among the church in Corinthians. There's an important place. There actually is a direction on where you're supposed to bring your quarrels. You don't just go around and chat it with one another. No, Chloe does the right thing. She brings it to Paul. Have informed me that there's quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas, another name for Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. And he answered this question, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? And I'm hoping that we can answer that question today on what it means as a church. A church to your neighbor. This is the title of my message today. Say, neighbor. Oh, that was weak sauce, man. Where are we at? Say, neighbor. United, we stand. That's the title of this message. Hey, would we pray this morning? Father God, I thank you for your word. It is true. And Holy Spirit, right now, we welcome you here. God, speak to us. We know that you can, you can change beauty for ashes, God. And uh, even in our hearts right now, we yield them over to you, God. Each and every person here today, no matter what we came in here with. Father God, I pray that we would leave this house with the revelation of who Jesus is. So Holy Spirit, do what you came to do, and that was to glorify Jesus. And right now in this house, as your people, we gather together to seek your face. So I pray that you would speak to us today, God, because we're here and we're listening. And right now, church, just open up your hands and say these words like you're declaring them to God. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Could you guys put your hands together for the word of God this morning? 
Thanks, Reeve. Love you. So I got a question for every single person in here today. This is full participation. And some of you might participate by not raising your hands. And that's okay. That's part of the question. How many of you grew up in church? All right, pretty well, church group in here. It's okay if you didn't. This isn't like a pass a test or pass or fail thing. This is really just because we can grow up in church and we can have a false idea of what church really is based upon our upbringing. So I want to be able to lay the groundwork, the framework as a church of who we are called to be and what it means to say church is a group project. What it means to say, hey, I'm going to church. Now I want to take a moment to really explain how I see church. Now let me tell you, it's not just a Sunday morning where we gather together and maybe this wasn't just something that we decided, you know, Reeve had a beautiful voice at a karaoke bar one night and we had this idea, yo, Reeve, let's start a church, man, so we can sing. And it wasn't that I just like to hear myself talk. Honestly, how many people really like to hear themselves talk? You hear a playback of yourself and you're like, do I really sound like that? But church isn't just a Sunday morning thing. Can I tell you, church is, isn't even a location Churches of people that decide to continually to commit to one another to seeking and serving Jesus. So not just on a Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then coming back again as one body and one voice on Sunday morning. Come on, people. Do you believe that as a church, us coming together to glorify Jesus is beyond even just this Sunday morning? And I want to just put the premise down this morning that the type of people that go to church. How many of you guys are looking for the perfect church? No? Well, I'll tell you, you're gonna look for a long time. Because churches aren't perfect. This church, sorry to break it to you, is not perfect. Why? Because the church is full of people. And if you knew your neighbor, never mind. You know yourself. And you know you're not perfect. So who are we to come into a church and expect perfect people when we realize that church is not for perfect people. It's actually for broken people. And it's a bunch of imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. As a church, that's who we're called to be. And I believe that in this church, as it takes a focus on more than Sunday mornings, but throughout the entire week, I want to be able to bring a clarification and understanding today that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to churches that walk in unity. The Holy Spirit is available to churches that walk in unity. And I say this because we could all gather together, have a million people out in a field somewhere, but we have all different backgrounds, all different religions, all different beliefs. The Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily fall on that. That's not the body of Christ. And I know that there's power in unity. And the devil, write this down if you're taking notes today, the devil is not afraid of a large church. He is afraid of a united church. Because you can have a large church with people seeing it very different ways, no people taking authority or anything of that sort, not knowing how to pray, not knowing how to worship as the people of God. But the devil's not afraid. Jesus said two or three. He didn't say two or three thousand. Two or three. He's looking for a people that'll take him at his word. See, Jesus prayed for unity. I believe above all else, Jesus desires unity. It's all throughout scripture, reading through the New Testament. Jesus prayed for unity right before he went to the cross in John chapter 17. John chapter 17, this is the words of Jesus. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. This is, he's saying the disciples. My prayer also 
for those who believe in me through their message. That's you. That's me. So here we see Jesus right here praying for you and me, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, Jesus in us, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. So it's kind of given a hint, like what's the key to unity? Jesus in us. Then the world will know, then the world will know, then the world will know. What we do is we get so caught up is letting the world know, and we can't even, we can't even find forgiveness for our brother in Christ. We're so, we get so caught up in letting the world know that we can't, we go to church and we're bitter about people within church, we're bitter about people within the body of Christ. He's saying, get this right, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Come on, we're talking about united we stand today. Jesus prayed that we would be one in spirit, not location, but in spirit so that the world may know him. Because the people of Jesus are about making Jesus known. That's why we're here, to make Jesus known. Because God wants to meet with his people. I know that each and every single one of us were made to worship God. We were made to be with God. We were made to walk with God. And I know that God wants to meet with us because it was part of the original plan. The original plan that we find in Exodus. The plan about building, God says, I want to build a place for me to be amongst my people. And this was the plan, but sin separated that. We know in the Garden of Eden, sin separated us, and God said, hey, I don't want to be a distant God. I want to actually be amongst my people. And we find this in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. God says to Moses, then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I may, that I may dwell among them. Now, think about the scripture verse. What I mentioned just a few verses earlier during the offering message, we were talking about everyone whose heart was to give. This is just six verses later talking about what they were doing with everything that people gave was to make a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them, God with his people and his people with God. Make this tabernacle, also known as the tent of meeting. It's a place for God to be able to meet with his people and all of his furnishings exactly like the pattern that I will show you. This was God's intent. Now, don't get caught up in this word tabernacle. Uh, it's an Old Testament word that basically described a place for God to be able to meet with his people. Now, I want to just give some brief background of what this tabernacle meant or, and was. Now, it was just a, it was a portable tent, about 75 feet, wide, 75 feet wide and 150 feet long. Now, I mentioned, did I mention that it was portable? Kind of like this church. Wherever God went, there they went. I think that my city church right here actually has a biblical model. Now granted, yeah, we desire one place where we can gather together as one body, maybe in one location, maybe several locations where we can lift up the name of Jesus that we don't have to worry about venue conflicts, et cetera, and things of that sort. Because in, in March 27th, we, we'll have a venue conflict here and we'll be able to have church over at HQ off 96 in L Street. Hey, hello, home turf. Home field advantage, right? You know? But as a church, we are portable, kind of like the tabernacle was. 
They had to get all this stuff set up. I can't imagine what it would feel like to get all this set up. And the day later, God's saying, all right, we're moving again. But they had willing hearts. So God, whatever it takes for our people to meet with you and for you to meet with us, we'll do whatever it takes, God. See, I think that was God's plan originally, though, to meet with his people, that everyone was to come together and play a part in God's house. Everyone, every single person was to come together. God said, I believe, if you are going to worship me through this tabernacle, he said, if you're going to worship me, every person will play a role in building my house. Can I tell you that you are a member of God's house? You are a member. The Bible says that we are a member of the body of Christ. You have a function, a purpose in playing your part in the body of Christ. What part of the body are you? Have you ever taken a moment to ask yourself that question? What part am I? Everyone wants to be the hands, the eyes, but no one wants to be the appendix. At any moment, you're about to burst. What part of the body are you? And I believe that you're responsibly here in this church is to discover what part you play and to play it to the best of your ability. See, I believe that churches don't suffer because there's people not in the house. They actually suffer because people are not functioning as part of the body in the house. See, many people think that it's not their responsibility to serve the church. You would be wrong. You have a part to play. Many people may look at My City Church and see the difference that we're making in people's lives that we're making each and every Sunday and think, man, this just runs great and think that you're not really needed. Let me tell you that if you think that, you are wrong. See, we're all called to come together and play a part. What is your part? It's a great question. If you're looking to answer that, hey, welcome to the next class. Right after service, 15 minutes right over there by the restrooms. You can say, we're gonna talk through the four Gs, gathering, growing, giving, and gifting, and where your part is in the body of Christ. And what I found is that some of us are all so caught up in thinking that this is my role that we never even take the time to actually be a a cellular part of the body. We start looking at ourselves as a hand, and we're just like, well, actually, what if you're the cell within the hand? How about we start there? How about we start where there's a need? How about we start where, wherever there's availability for you to make a difference? Because what I find is as you do that, God starts to unlock your purpose. As you step out, as you make yourself available for God to use, say, hey, you who are faithful with little, you can be faithful with much, that you can't get caught up in what you need and what you want and what you desire, that you miss God's plan for your life. Because as we yield ourselves over to him, he actually gives us the desires of our heart, the right, the pure desires. See, for a healthy body to function, it needs all parts of its body. And you may think, I don't have a part, but everybody needs a smile. Everybody needs, I'm not saying everybody, I'm saying every body. Every body needs a smile. Every body needs a hand. Every body needs a kneecap so that it can get on the knees and that it can pray. Every body needs to be able to get low. Now, if you don't have that, I'm talking about the body of Christ. Everybody, yeah. Rock your body. Or, that's the wrong word. Serve the body. Yeah. <laughs> See, everybody, everybody needs fathers. Everybody needs mothers. 
Everybody needs a willing heart. Everybody that needs something that can keep the thing going. Everybody needs the ability to be able to think critically about things. Everybody needs the ability to digest and be able to impart. Every single body around this city and around this nation needs the part that you play. See, understand this today, that you have a part to play. You do. Each and every single one of us have a part to play in the body of Christ. Now, I want to give an emphasis here what it means to have a part to play. That you are not serving because you are needed. Nor because you are looking for a reward. But because you are a part of a body. And a healthy body requires each part to play its part. We're not looking for a reward. Can I please tell you that you are not serving for me. If you get in this house and you think, well, I'm doing Pastor Eli a favor by me serving, can I tell you, I'd rather you not serve. Well, I need to show up today because I'm doing so-and-so a favor. They asked me, we are not doing it for a person. We're not doing it because someone asked. We don't just step in and say, yeah, I think they just need some help. It's not because you're needed. It's not because you're doing someone a favor. But you serve because you are a part of the body and every party is part of the body is meant to glorify Christ. So if you get it in our heads, every time that we serve, am I preaching here because I'm just trying to, to woo people? No. Do I set up chairs just because, well, so-and-so needs help setting up chairs? Do we load in, load out and set up curtains and set up our kids' space because, well, so-and-so said I need to? No. Every part that the body serves is meant to serve to glorify Christ. Can I tell you that what we do here is so much more than just putting on a show, is so much more than just filling out a card, is so much more than clock in, clock out. It's a state of heart. It's saying, Jesus, my life is yours. Whatever I do is yours. May you be glorified by my hands, my feet, and everything I say and I do. As the body of Christ, guys, I'm telling you, our function, our, our main purpose is to glorify Jesus. We're not up here playing drums or, or Zach on the MD today, such a fantastic job, to, to show off. While he's up here playing the guitar, Reed's playing the piano, what I desire most and out of every single part here is that we're worshiping Jesus. That we're saying, Waymaker, miracle worker, lights are blinding me. We're getting distracted on what we're really doing it for. That's why sometimes I worship with my eyes closed so I can fix my eyes on Jesus. That's why I say this is that as a person, we're always supposed to be able to get low to serve because we're not doing it for anyone to get noticed by anyone. We're doing it because Christ first loved us and he first served us. That's why we care. That's why we serve. That's why we love as a people in the body of Christ. I want to share with you one verse that talks about this part we play in this Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul's talking to the people. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, every one of us. So I'm including myself in this here. So Paul talked to us. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Hello. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So what's he saying? Don't think of yourself as, well, I need to be this. This is my purpose, my role. This is where I'm supposed to be, uh, higher, lower, whatever that means, because we're all called to be low for Christ. With so, think of yourself with sober job, judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you, knowing that you've been graced with something 
that contributes to the body. For just as each of us has one body with many members, my hands, my fingers, etc., and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Notice he doesn't say, if your gift is this, then sit and wait. If your gift is this, then hey, consider. He's saying, you all have something, then do it. Then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. Can I tell you that there is a gift of generosity There is a gift to be able to be a good steward of your finances, but not only that, to have creative innovations to be able to actually further the kingdom of God, heavy and above and beyond giving. He says, if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I think this kind of wraps up what we're talking about when we're talking about the body of Christ and each and every single person. If we are going to be a united people together, we all have a part to play in being united. And I love it about the tabernacle that we mentioned earlier that they all pitched in. They all gave their offering and I can see that as we are united, we can see God do so much more in this house. See, this house of God, this tabernacle was the house of God. Now this church though is not the house of God, but his people are in whom he chooses to dwell in each and every single one of us. And for God to be amongst his people, it would mean that we are to be one as he and the Father are one. Let me say that again. For God to be amongst his people, we are called to be one as he and the Father are one. And for us to be one in him means that we are to value what he values. Do we value what God values, though? Now, if you come to my house, you'll be able to see what I value. If you walked into my home, you would be able to see what I value. I have, we have a scripture verse on our wall right above our stairs so you could see that we value the word of God. You step into our home, you'll see that we have a kitchen table so we value eating together. You can see that we have a couch that, we, that is big enough for the entire family to sit on. You can see that we have a bedroom with a lock on the door because we value privacy. Thank you, Jesus, for locks on the doors for kids. Hello. Mommy and daddy need some napping time. But you can see what we value by our home. And if you study the tabernacle, which I would encourage you to do, you will see that Moses was instructed to set it up, and the people were told to encamp around the tabernacle. The tabernacle was set right in the middle of the people, meaning that they had God at the center. Can you see what they value just by observation? And our lives in this church, we are called to have God at the center. The church has Jesus at the center. In the moment it becomes about anything more than Jesus, we have missed the purpose of us gathering together. Can I tell you that we do not have worship for a warm-up into the message? It's not you just coming in here saying, whoop, I'm here for, to hear the preaching. No, every single part is a part of us glorifying God together. We're not worshiping God with, without just just stepping into service. 
We're worshiping him because he's the king of kings, the maker of heaven and earth. And that is why we should strive to strive to be at church on time. Now I say that because I understand like kids, man, it can be stressful as whatever to get to church on time with kids. And I understand it. You just don't, as a, as a husband and as a wife, don't, don't get mad at each other when your kid has to go poop right before you're about to leave the door. It doesn't do anyone any good. It's no one's fault. It's not even their fault. But we're so quick to, I've gotta be late. Pastor Eli says I can't be late to church. Well, because I look at it as if it is in our power to do so, aren't we robbing God of his worship? Is how often do we come together as one body with one voice and one accord to declare glory and praise to Jesus Christ? How often do we do that? Once a week. See, God is worthy of our worship. I do not want this to be, to do any of this here without his presence. What good is it if we have the best messages, best coffee, best venue, best music, best kids team, best kids area, but we miss the one of whom this is all for. Can I tell you, you and I were created to worship and glorify God. And this is one of the few times that we as a corporate body are able to come together and do so under one roof, with one accord, with one voice, a voice so powerful and faith-filled that it shakes the very foundations of Omaha, ushering in the presence of God that can revolutionize and revitalize the city. This is our opportunity. So let's not be people that rob God of our opportunity to worship him. Let's not rob him of the worship that he's due. So as a church, we come together, we, we worship together, we hear a word that hopefully is encouraging. Sometimes it might be judging, sometimes it might be uh, a warning. Not judging, that's the wrong word. It's a warning. And I would expect that if I were to warn uh, this body of some things that are happening, that it would be heeded. Um, because that's my role as a sheep, as a shepherd, to be able to guide the sheep and guide the flock. And um, so I believe that they had God at the center. And in this church, we value Jesus. We value God at the center. And it is my hope that just as you can step into my house and see what I value, that as you step into this house, you can see what we value. We can see what each other values. And I pray above all else that we stick true to our first core value, and that's united in Jesus. It's united in Jesus, and it reads like this. It says, we are united under no other name but the name of Jesus. More than any method or personal preference, we are focused on Jesus and his message and the Great Commission. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Jesus, his message and the Great Commission. We can leave that up too, please. His message is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin, to reunite us with God. And if you're in here right now and you're saying, Pastor Eli, I don't really know what that means or I just feel really far from God. Hey, that's okay. That's perfectly fine. This is the place for you. We were all there at one point. What I can tell you is that I found Jesus' best decision I ever made to follow him and give my life over to him. And at the end of this message, we'll be able to help give you an opportunity so that you can, you can follow Jesus. But the fact of the matter is that people today are still far from God. And we're called to get the message out, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And whether we realize it or not, the church is mandated to carry the redemptive message of Jesus Christ into a dying and broken world. 
not just complain about the world's problems, but to shine a light in the darkness and hope to the hopeless. See, the church is not a place for perfect people. It is a hospital for the sick. For it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And we are all sick to some extent. So as a church, we should have resources available not just to, to help people, not just with their eternal destiny and salvation, but also here on earth. Can I tell you, that's why we have groups. That's why we have courses. That's why we have marriage courses. That's why we have financial courses. That's why we have discipleship courses. As a church, we are called to be able to raise up people. And can I tell you, we can only go as fast as availability because we're looking for people to help within the body of Christ, but some of us are unwilling to say, God, use me. Now that's not just a, that's not just a rebuke, but can I tell you that there are young marriages that need help in this house? Can I tell you that there are teenagers that need a father figure because they don't have one? Can I tell you that there are brothers that are struggling in the house of God and you who are strong are called to help lift them up. And not that you're supposed to be strong for them, but sometimes it's both of you coming together where two are gathered, one falls, the other can be there to pick them up. That's why as a church we have groups. That's why as a church that we have courses. And I pray that one day we'll be able to do all sorts of, guys, there's such a huge need right now for people that are going through the thick of it. Like, counseling centers throughout the world and this nation in Nebraska are overbooked. You gotta join a wait list. You, it takes you months to be able to see someone. But there's people in here right now, can I tell you, the church is called to help be the solution to the world's problems. You may not have all the answers, guess what? You don't need to. But you can point them to Jesus and you can help walk them. I believe there is a place for professional help and professional counseling, and I believe that there's people in here right now that are called to be the answer, even to the city of Omaha, to be able to help walk in that. I believe we're called here not even just to help with counseling, but to help even with prisons, to help even with women in pregnancy crisis centers, to be able to help this city in its drug problem. I believe that we're supposed to be here in the schools and as educators for kids that feel like they just have a different learning style and then they need help, to be able to empower parents to be able to teach their kids I believe that as a church, we are called to do life together. That's why it's called church, it's a group project. We have groups because Jesus had 12, but some of us may think that we're too good and we're, we're better off on our own. And I wanna hit right here, right now, and uh, we can slow, slow this real quick. I know I, I may have called you guys up just a little bit early, but I feel like this is something I, uh, that you need to hear today. See, the devil seeks to isolate you because he knows that if he can isolate you, he can cause a spirit of desolation to overtake you and destroy you. We cannot be ignorant to how the devil works. Do not be ignorant. When things come up that keep us from meeting with the body of believers, can I tell you, the moment that you decide to start following Christ, things will come up. You'll have reasons, you'll have all different types of feelings. When feelings come up to give you an excuse as to why you should not gather with other believers, that is the devil oppressing. The devil can come in and oppress you with a worn out spirit to do the things that you do not want to do. The devil is not afraid of a large church. Like I said, he's afraid of a united church. So that is why he sets out to distract us. And he knows where there is distraction, there is division. And where there is division, there cannot be unity. The devil stops the advancement of the church through disunity. Why else would Jesus pray for unity right before the cross if he did not see what the devil was trying to do? The vision starts in the heart before it ever comes out in action.
And I just wanna share with you just a few more verses here. Is a, a Psalm 133. It says this. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There's that word again. Jesus says that I might dwell in their presence, in their midst, that people may dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Can I ask you a question? Is the blessing there because of unity? Or does the presence of God follow unity? Therefore, the blessings of God are inevitable. Because we can get so caught up in the blessings of God that we try to strive to have unity. But really what it is, is we have unity and the blessings of God follow us. So the devil knows that he can't stop the church. But he knows that if he can distract the church through division, he can disable the church from living out its mission. And he does it through distraction. So united we stand, but divided we fall. You'll be able to come back next week, you'll be able to hear a powerful message on what that means, uh, and divided we fall. But I believe that as this church, as we stand united, we stand united by having Jesus at the center. And I tell you, here at my city, Jesus is the center of everything that we do. And you know how we keep Jesus at the center? By fixing our eyes on him and forgiving one another. It's that simple. Jesus took it so seriously, he said that if you have a sacrifice at the altar and you know your brother has an offense, leave it. So we come in and we're just, well, I'm just gonna worship Jesus and pray for this person because they're, they're, they, ha they have a problem. He says, no, 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 no. How about you stop for a second, go and talk to this person and say, bro, I forgive you or I'm sorry. Some of the most powerful words, because Jesus is saying like, I want this together. I, 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 I wanna see this work. And it starts with us. It starts with me. It starts with you. And in this church, how we do that, we put Jesus at the center of everything that we do. And what I find is that the Holy Spirit starts to convict us and encourage us. And if you're in this place right now, and you're saying, Eli, sign me up for that. Help me to be unified. I just want you to lift up your hand this morning. If you're in this house and you're saying, Jesus, help us to be unified. And I wanna pray over you today. Father God, you see in this house every single hand that is lifted up. Father, I pray that as a body of believers that you would help us to be unified. God, that we wouldn't get distracted. God, I pray that we would not be ignorant. Hello. I pray that we would not be ignorant of the devil's schemes and how he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. And God, I pray that where people are needing help, I pray that they would be bold to step out and ask for it. If it's not available, then help us, help the church to be a resource to make it available for other people. God, I pray that there, if there is gaps in this body, that you would raise up the right people, you would send us the right people God, that this body may be whole, may be whole in this house, that we would not be lacking anything, God. If we need counselors, give us counselors, God. We need prophetic, give us prophetic. We need people of encouragement, people that serve. God, let them serve joyfully. God, people that have a heart of mercy, let them have a heart of mercy, God. I pray that you would raise up people in this house and you would send people into this house, God, that this body may be whole, lacking nothing. And so Jesus' mighty name, and as the lead pastor of this church, God, we come before you today and we say, have your way in my city. God, that there would be no division among us, that we'd be people that 
honor you. God, that we'd be people that fall in line with the prayer that you prayed to our Heavenly Father right before you went to the cross. You said that we would be one as you and the Father are one. So in Jesus' mighty name, God, we say let it be so. Let it be so in this house. God, and as this person right here on this stage, a person that is empowered by you, God, we stand in the gap behind any enemy attack that is coming against this church, any demonic stronghold. We say, your time is up. Now is the time for you to step out. This is no longer your house. Any kind of evil spirit that comes over and oppresses people to cause division, to cause depression, to cause strife. We say in Jesus' mighty name, any oppressive spirit be gone. Father God, would you rebuke every type of spirit that comes against this house to divide, to uproot, God, to subvert, God, your plans and your purposes for your body, God, to lift up Jesus in this city, that we may be a whole body, a healthy body that seeks to glorify your name. And so right now, God, we come before you as one church and one voice, and we say, God, we know that you're the way maker. Won't you make a way in this church? Come on, church. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.